Today, though, we continue our journey through the parables of Matthew's gospel. And just like last week's lesson, our second reading can be a difficult one for us to comprehend in today's world. Just before our reading begins, Jesus tells his followers that God's kingdom looks radically different than the world we live in. It truly just turns things upside down. So he tells the parable about a vineyard owner and his employees to illustrate what this looks like. It questions our understanding of justice and equity head-on as Jesus uses the story of a landowner and his laborers to describe an aspect of God's kingdom. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 20th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he went out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when they... When the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he said to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I've told you before, I believe, I love podcasts. And one of my favorite podcasts is called Planet Money, and it tries to use interesting stories and ideas to help explain things going on in the economy to someone like me who knows next to nothing about economics. A recent episode focused on the unique workplace environment, uh, you could say unorthodox workplace environment, of Netflix, a company many of us use and, and love. In the tech world, Netflix has become infamous for flipping our ideas about workplaces upside down. Most companies reward employees for how many hours they work or maybe the number of years someone has served, but not Netflix. Instead, employees are rewarded based on productivity and effectiveness. They decided to focus on output rather than input. 
A former executive they interviewed said that the company is a team and everyone on the team has a role and once that role is no longer needed or you are no longer equipped to perform that role, you're out. Whether you're among the first employees or whether you were hired just yesterday. Now, it sounds rightly so, cold at first, but they do tell every new employee that this is the way they work. Further, the executive they interviewed at one point even decided to cut herself from the team once the company shifted dramatically from mailing DVDs to people's homes to streaming shows and films online. They live by this mindset, that this isn't a, a, a job for life, but rather a place to build skills and, and take uh, their, the, these skills out in the next steps of their careers. An interesting, unorthodox workplace, to say the least. And an interesting, unorthodox workplace culture is the scene for our parable this morning. Jesus tells the disciples that the kingdom of God can be compared to a vineyard owner who went out to the marketplace to find some laborers. Now, a couple summers ago, when Marie and I were able to travel to a number of cities in the Greco-Roman world, uh, we uh, really enjoyed learning about the differences in each of these cities, the distinctiveness of Rome and Corinth, of Athens and Ephesus, Patmos and Samos, how their particular culture and setting impacted the way their community looked. But what we also learned about were the striking similarities of basically all of these cities and most cities in the ancient world. First, every city had, or just about every city, had an acropolis, which had temples to various gods, each of which uh, were framed with columns, uh, consisting of just three styles of columns. Nearly every city had a theater, and every city had an agora, which was a marketplace, the very center of town, much like what we would understand today as a farmer's market. This is where business was done, where soldiers would gather before war, where important speeches and events would happen. And the Agora, the marketplace, is where our parable begins today. This was a common practice of the day. Folks would seek work from whoever would hire them for the day, and in return would receive the usual daily wage, one denarii. You weren't guaranteed a job on any given day, but that was certainly the hope. People would gather and stand around in the marketplace until someone would come around to hire them for a job in their field or uh, maybe at their shop. So the landowner in Jesus' parable goes to the agora, the marketplace, at the usual time, the very crack of dawn to hire laborers for his, for his fields uh, for that day and pay them the acceptable wage, one denarii. But what's odd is that this landowner returns to the Agora at mid-morning and hires more laborers. And then at noon, and at mid-afternoon, does the same thing. But here's where it really starts to get odd. The guy goes back at five in the afternoon, just an hour before the usual quitting time, and hires more laborers. He asks them why they're still standing around, and they say the chilling words, because no one has hired us. So he hires them, sends them to work for an hour, then at the end of the day, decides to pay them first before all the other workers, and then gives them the usual daily wage of one denarius, 
the same as everyone else. Can you imagine how the laborers working all day from the very crack of dawn, how they felt? I know I'd be furious with envy. These guys got to sit around all day, then work for an hour and make just as much as I did. It's simply not fair. But to add to it, the landowner even pays these late hires first before the others. The troubling truths of this passage are of both envy and the question of equity, fairness. We see these, these uh, twin uh, troubles of envy and equity uh, fill the first reading from Jonah that we heard. Jonah goes to Nineveh to try to save them, to, to preach, to get them to repent. And they do, and God spares them, and Jonah's mad. Envy and equity. Friends, we know well that these twin troubles of envy and equity reign large in our world today. No matter how much we have, our world conditions us to want more. Advertisements, those neighbors, the Joneses, who keep getting all those new things, seeing celebrities living the high life, often make our lives feel small in comparison. The whole grass is greener on the other side thing is alive and well in today's world, and it hits us in every aspect of our lives. But sometimes, like in the parable, the root of this envy is a matter of equity. It's not fair that my boss makes three times what I make. That guy doesn't do anything. It's not fair. Often these inequities are justified. And we do face a world that is often not fair or just. Maybe such a world is at least partially responsible for fueling some of our envy. But in the end, friends, it is our own personal, very human envies that come out as we hear this parable. But thankfully, the parable doesn't end here. The landowner responds to the complaints, so he has no need to even address them. He says, hey, I paid you what we agreed upon, and I chose to give the same to the other workers. Am I not allowed to do what I want with what is mine, or are you envious because I am generous? Is it fair to give someone who worked just one hour the same wage as someone who worked all day? No. But is it generous? You bet. At its heart, friends, this isn't a parable about vineyard workers, though if you look in your Bible, it's probably, this passage is probably titled as the parable of the vineyard workers. It's not about them at all. This is a parable about the owner. The parable is not an illustration about envy, nor is it about what is or is not fair. Now, this is a story about generosity. And being a parable, it's a story about God's generosity. A generosity, a grace that transcends and transforms our understanding of what is and is not fair. When the landowner reaches the five o'clock group and asks them why they're still there, they say, because no one hired us. The landowner responds with generosity in the face of another iniquity. He gives them each a denarius, the usual daily wage, what is needed to live. He gives them what is fair and what they need. It truly flips our understanding of fairness upside down, that we might see generosity as God sees it. 
Throughout the centuries, the church has interpreted this parable to show God's grace and generosity throughout the ages. The people of Israel were the first workers in the vineyard. After all, in the Old Testament, the vineyard is the very symbol for Israel. But with Jesus, the definition of the people of God, the definition of who laborers in the vineyard are, grew. And it has grown beyond the scope of Israel and Judah and now includes Gentiles, which in those days meant everyone else. These later workers in the vineyard are no more or less recipients of God's grace. And this, friends, is the generosity of God. God's grace then becomes something believers receive out of God's own generosity, not because of anything we do ourselves. It's not something we can earn or achieve. It truly flips how we understand what's fair, and it transforms our own thoughts of envy. Through this, though this understanding of generosity is at odds with the world, it is the way of God, and in response, the way we are called to live. Our lesson isn't a practical guide for employers on how to run their farm or their factory. In fact, one commentator said that this parable is very intentionally impractical. It's not supposed to make sense. I think it goes without saying, if a factory owner paid their full-time employees the same as those who are part-time, they wouldn't be able to fill those full-time slots. The story isn't supposed to be a practical how-to guide for the workplace. It's a story about generosity. It's It's about the generosity of God and how God's generosity flips our perspectives upside down of what is generous and fair. While the story isn't a practical how-to guide, it does mean that we are to challenge our own understandings of what is fair and just. It challenges us to seek ways of going above and beyond, practicing and embodying the generosity of God in every aspect of our lives, including the workplace. The big question of our parable this morning, friends, is this. Do we respond to the generosity of God with envy or with gratitude? And if we respond with gratitude, how might this gratitude take the form of modeling God's upside-down generosity in our lives and the world around us? How can our generosity model God's in simply surprising and amazing others? Friends, when we see those laborers in the marketplace late in the day, because no one has hired them, may we, like God, the unorthodox vineyard owner, show compassion and generosity rather than judgment. As we continue to live lives of gratitude for God's grace, may we seek ways to surprise others with our generosity and hospitality, showing that all of us are truly laborers in God's vineyard. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.